Hello, welcome to The Essentials. I'm James, the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church, and I started this podcast as a chance for us to explore our faith, to explore what we experience in life, and to celebrate the good news and the hope that we enjoy through it all. If you're listening for the first time, I'm glad that you found us. Thank you for giving us a try. If you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. We appreciate that you are here. So this is an episode titled Pride Month on a podcast that's hosted by a Christian pastor. And depending on what you see about the church in our world today, you might have some assumptions about where this episode is heading. You might think that as a pastor, I'm going to get up on my soapbox and tell you how we need to boycott Target, how we need to boycott Bud Light, how we need to fight against everything rainbow. Based on what we see in the world, that might be a fair assumption to make about the Christian church, but that is not the direction that this episode is going to take. That is not the view that I have, nor nor is it the view of the denomination that I serve. So I want to start this episode, start this Pride Month with an apology, an apology from the Christian church to the LGBTQ community for the years and years of hurt and pain that the church has caused your community. For the ways that Christians make you feel that you don't belong, for the ways that Christians tell you you need to change in order to be deserving of God's love. I am sorry that has been the loudest view from the Christian church. Not all churches, but I know that in general, that's the assumption people have of Christianity when it comes to these issues of sexual and gender identities. What I want to say is that the Northern Province of the Moravian Church is open and affirming when it comes to the LGBTQ community. There was a decision made in 2014, after a long time of thoughtful consideration and prayer, and I know when the decision was made, it was difficult as well. The congregation I currently serve, while I wasn't here at the time, I know some members left because of that decision. There are lots of churches that saw people leave, but I'm glad that our church was willing to make that bold statement to err on the side of inclusion and love, to bring in more of God's kingdom at the risk of upsetting some people and some people even moving on. And while that's the stance our church made nine years ago, it's one that we continue to reaffirm. It's one that we continue to work towards so that this inclusive and welcoming position is a reality in all of our congregations. What I want to share with you for this episode is an experience from last year, last year during Pride Month, how I went through uh, some discussion with different Christians as they viewed this topic and how I think it is an appropriate example for how the Christian church as a whole deals with these issues and it can speak to the continued work that we need to do. So last June, one of my pastor friends made a post on Facebook 
It had the background being the pride flag, and there was some text over it that said, this pastor loves you. More importantly, God loves you and always has and always will, regardless of what you've heard or been taught. And I saw my friend make this post as a pastor and thought it would be the perfect thing for me to post as well, to be a voice from the Christian church to the LGBTQ community saying, you are welcomed, you are loved, trying to fight some of those assumptions that have been in place. And as I considered making that post myself, I predicted the responses that would come in, knowing that there might be some negative feedback from making such a post. And as I made the post, the results were overwhelmingly positive. There were so many people who expressed their gratitude, and especially people that I hadn't had much contact with in a long time. People I went to high school with or to college with who maybe know that I'm a pastor, but didn't know that that's the stance that our church has. And they were grateful to see this voice coming from the Christian church. But despite all of those positive reactions, there were two that were very negative, and they almost overshadowed all the positivity, all the good news found on the post. There were two very negative responses coming from strong Christians, as they had an issue with me making this post. And I felt their feedback as frustrating in two ways. First, in a personal way, and then in general, as I think about the Christian church. So personally, in sort of a selfish and prideful way, I was almost insulted by their responses, their long responses, their heated debate towards this message of positivity and love that I was trying to convey. And I was insulted because their first instinct, their first reply to this post about how God loves you, was to copy and paste and put in those verses that everyone clings to when it comes to these issues. Those verses from Leviticus, verses from Paul to Romans, that have stood as people's go-to when it comes to rejecting the LGBTQ community. And these two Facebook friends of mine posted these verses as if I would read them and think, oh, I've never seen those passages before. It it says what in Leviticus? It says what in Romans? I never read those verses before. They posted it as if I would read their comments and it would totally change my mind. That the light would dawn on me and I would see just how wrong I was for having this view. And it was insulting to me to the three years I spent in seminary combing through the Bible and doing extensive work to the five years that I've been in ministry, continuing to work through the Bible as I preach and teach. So for the near decade that I've been spending a lot of time in the Bible, to just see these verses dropped in as if they would totally change my mind in an instant was insulting. It was frustrating that they thought they had this pastor cornered with these verses that I have obviously spent a lot of time with. 
But also it was frustrating because this was a post saying this pastor loves you and God loves you. And the two Christians that needed to respond negatively to this post needed to rush in and tell me who I was allowed to and not allowed to love. They felt the need to come in and tell me how wrong I was for expressing this love to a community that has been hurt for so long. That was their Christian duty to steer God's love in a direction that is their own. That me as a pastor, I have it totally wrong. So those are some of my personal frustrations with this. But in general, as I think about Christianity as a whole, I was equally frustrated. Because as is often the case for all of the positivity, for all of the light and hope shared within that post and the feedback I got, these two negative responses turned out to be the biggest source of attention and got most of the discussion. And they came from what I would call social media super Christians. They, if you are on their social media pages, they talk about their faith a lot. They'll post a picture of their Bible with verses highlighted and circled and underlined. They'll have scripture passages in their bio. They express their faith openly and often. To the outside world, they are such a true and committed Christian, and they are. Their faith is very important to them. But as they interacted with this post about God's love, the loudest voices saying certain people don't deserve God's love was coming from those loud Christians. They were representing the Christian faith in a way that took God's love away from people. That's what people saw as they looked at Christians in action. It was Christians deciding who deserves God's love and who doesn't. But also, as I mentioned, them placing in these verses that are in the Bible, it was frustrating because they did what a lot of Christians do and drop in chapter and verse and do nothing else. They cherry pick a scripture passage. They don't offer any context. They don't explain anything about the original audience. They don't consider that these words meant for communities thousands of years ago, they might not perfectly speak to our world today. That we have to do some digging. We have to understand the culture and how translations have changed over the centuries. They dropped in those verses as if they can stand alone, that that is it. It's in the Bible. It says it right here, and there should be no more debate about it. And specifically thinking about the verses in Romans, they didn't mention anything about the truth behind what Paul is condemning. As we take those verses and so often apply it to the LGBT community today, Paul is actually condemning sexual acts that were happening in his community that we would all condemn as well. He's talking about older men abusing young boys. He's talking about sex acts that are used for power or for favors. There is nothing about a loving relationship that Paul is condemning. But Christians have taken those verses, they've applied it to our world today, 
rather recklessly, and it's been used to clobber an entire community when it wasn't the original intention of those words. But also in this post that was at its baseline just about love, this pastor loves you, God loves you. It was Christians getting involved saying, well, not exactly this group of people. They need to change. They're on the wrong path. And that was their whole goal in this post about God's love, trying to steer it one direction or another. And as I pointed out in conversation with them, that compared to these couple of verses that they are clinging to when it comes to gender identity and sexual identity, there are so many other verses in scripture that tell us not to judge people, that tell us to treat others with love and compassion, that talk about how people deserve dignity and respect. And I pushed them a little bit saying, why is it that you're so willing to ignore those verses for the sake of judging and condemning this community, this group of people? Why is that allowed as you take the Bible so seriously. And their response essentially was a common response in the Christian faith. It's that they were responding in this way. They weren't being judgmental. They weren't being hurtful. They were following their Christian duty. That it's out of faith, it's out of love for their brothers and sisters that they want to correct them from this wrong path that they are on. That it's up to them as Christians to call out the sin that they see and to lead people into the right direction. That's where their faith was leading them. So they weren't being judgmental. They weren't being hurtful or full of hate. They were actually acting out of love. And that is also an approach that the Christian church as a whole gives Christians a really bad name for, that we hide behind our faith to excuse actions that cause people pain and abuse and oppression, that we can cite the Bible the way we want to and claim that it's because of our faith that we're acting this way, and therefore you're not allowed to challenge what we're doing because it's my faith and it's important to me. Something similar happened just this past week as a player for the Toronto Blue Jays reposted a video that was calling for people to boycott Target and to boycott Pride things. And as he posted this video, he got in trouble with his organization because the MLB is trying to be a more inclusive place. So his organization made him come out and offer an apology video and to say that he was re remorseful for posting that video. Now, in this apology video, the comments were full of people defending him, saying first that he has his own right to free speech, and then that he's just acting out of his Christian principles. And he shouldn't be getting in trouble for living with his faith. And I take an issue with that because if living with your faith includes not being willing to wear a rainbow on your shirt to welcome and love a community 
that's been hurt for so long. If living with your faith involves going out of your way to continue to exclude and judge a community that's different than you are, if that's what your Christian faith is encouraging you to do, then I'm wondering where in the life and ministry of Jesus do you see that happening? Where do you see Jesus go out of his way to condemn people, to reject them, to keep the outcasts on the outside of society? What example of Jesus are you following as you make a distinct effort to not include a group of people? Because the Jesus that I've read about, the Jesus that I believe in, is willing to take on amazing risks to welcome people in. He constantly shattered our expectations and understandings of our society for the sake of loving more and embracing more. So if your faith is drawing a line about who deserves to be welcomed, who deserves to be loved, I have a hard time seeing where Jesus is at work in all of that. Jesus wasn't about hating and rejecting people who were different from ourselves. He did the exact opposite. So as we begin this Pride Month, you'll continue to see rainbows pop up on logos, on apparel. They will be all over the place, and they will be followed with heated debates about what we need to boycott, about how our faith inspires us to push all of these things away and to condemn a community as a whole. And we need to be aware and active, not just this month, but every month, to try and overcome first the assumptions that people have of the Christian faith and to overcome the voices that continue to double down on those assumptions, that continue to be hateful, that continue to say certain people don't deserve God's love. And they don't deserve God's love because of who God made them to be. We have to be the voices in fighting that trend in the Christian church. So for my friends in the LGBTQ community, I want you to know that you are seen, you are loved, and you are welcomed. You are living into exactly who God has called you to be, and you should be embraced for that. Not judged, not rejected, but loved for who you are. And I hope you'll start to see more of that from the Christian church. And for the Christians who are listening, who are hopeful that our congregations and churches can be a more welcoming and a more inclusive place, I hope you know just the extent of the work that we have to do, of the long way that we have to go. These are just the first steps to tackling this issue, to radically including a community that has been told they don't belong for far too long. So I thank you for the work that we will need to do together, the vital and important work that will determine the future of our Christian church, that will determine if we are truly welcoming 
and loving all the people that Jesus gave his life out of love for. So that's all I have for you for this episode. I thank you for listening. Be well, and I will catch you next time.